3: Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who like to take big pieces of wood and make them smaller. Mark, Shannon, and
2: Matt. All right, it is Wood Talk number 450 for 102218. Sometimes when I look at a, a date number, I get screwed up and I'm afraid to commit to the month. <laughs> like, I, If you ask me outside of the show, I know what month it is, but very quickly as I'm reading numbers and translating those to actual months, I get confused. So I'm just going to say 10-22-18. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about shop layout, differences in bench planes, and how much of the tree can be used. Now, uh, we don't have any sponsors at today's show. Let me see. I think we have some people to thank here. I really should have prepared for this. Good talk. Uh, talk amongst yourselves, guys. It's as if you like have notes or something. Okay, here we go. So Spencer says <laughs> Robert Fox, Thomas Lyons, and Kevin Conlin, and uh, those folks went over to Patreon.com/slash/woodtalk, and they pulled out their sweet little piece of plastic credit card or debit card thing and uh, decided to help support the show. You know, I was listening to. An NPR station on the radio, and the way that they try to sell that is very—it's very interesting to me. And they—they they use people as an example, like so and so decided that this show was worth this much money to them. So how much is—is is Wood Talk worth to you? You know, and try, doing their whole fun drive thing. I, I like that approach. How much is the show worth to you? all the monies all, all of, of the monies I think we might start getting invoices from listeners because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> we have to pay them to listen that might that might be the way it goes
1: oh.
2: well, but anyway if you want to help out you can totally optional but you can go to patreon.com slash wood you can also help just by listening to the show we really appreciate that that's the best way to help out alright so let's get into what's on the bench uh, you know, I've been f- kind of a change in gears here, um, going into you know back into the furniture world, like interior furniture, outside of like plywood cabinets that I've been living in for the last uh, couple of months. I am building Mateo's bunk bed. Finally, uh, it's something I've been talking about for a long time, kind of procrastinating. And I'll tell you guys, we, we've got a question later talking about um, our, our most difficult projects, our most challenging projects. For some reason. I don't know if it's the scale of the project or if it's simply that most bunk beds tend to just be like almost three unique pieces of furniture that have some fa- somehow found their way together. <laughs> right? So you've got like, <laughs> you've got a loft, you maybe have a part of it, maybe a dresser um, It depends if you 're doing like the bottom bed as part of the uh, attached portion uh there's usually stairs but i 'll look at pictures of this stuff trying to to wrap my brain around how these three almost totally different types of furniture can just be put together in some elegant way and it re- it 's really challenging for me uh, I, I guess other people would probably like design this thing in in seconds but it's it 's challenging i don't know why. So maybe we'll talk about that later when we uh, discuss our our, our projects we much. find difficult. Stop
0: thinking, just build. Oh,
2: it's totally <laughs> it's totally overthinking because when I go, Nicole goes, "Well, what about this one?" And I look at it and go, "But look, I can't do the joinery the way I want to and have it look like that. Like I know how they did it, and it's okay in that piece of furniture from like American Furniture Warehouse or whatever that they just put a bolt there and it's holding the two things together. I don't want to do that." <laughs> Plus <laughs> plus it's gotta go up steps around a corner, like there this thing. But he's to gonna be. outgrow it in like a year. So that's true.
0: You're not building <laughs> heirloom furniture fast. here, Mark.
2: No, they grow fast, but I do. This is the one piece I do think he's going to use for. Well, this is why I didn't build cribs or changing tables because I feel like those are so temporary.
0: Um, I could see. I want have to
4: keep having more kids like me. Oh, see, you're, hard, say, you're
0: crazy. That's the whole reason because Matt <laughs> built that like really elaborate crib. So he's like, Lindsay, we got to have another kid. Hey, we just got to, you got to get
2: them out. I think if in your case, it was smart. You know, you guys are, are saving money by doing that. In my case. <laughs> I didn't expect to have a second kid and we sure as (laughs) H-E double hockey hockey sticks are not having a third. So
0: I'm good there. Uh Ava, I'm sorry when you listen to this in the future and find out for an accident.
2: (laughs) No, she definitely was not an accident. It was just Nicole said, we're doing this. I said, all right. (laughs) I guess that's what we're doing. Uh, Okay, so there was that and then uh, had a little review. You know, I swore off reviews and then here I go making another review. Uh, but I, I felt like I I, f- I had some issues uh, with the Festal CT Cyclone, and I felt it was a disservice to to my friends and people who who watch my show who are like looking for to me for opinions on these things uh, to not get this information out there because it's not all rosy and happy, and uh, I felt I needed to do it, so I did the review, and, and quite honestly, it wasn't poorly received like i didn't get a lot of people busting my you know what's over it so i'm so sure I'm shannon
4: and i are both kind of disappointed about that we were expecting some the fireworks. popcorn out
2: yeah you you were ready for some fistfights
0: <laughs> i break was excited out. i was like
4: yeah
2: mark put a review video time to get the popcorn read the comments
0: yeah but here's the thing basically man. mark was undecided whether or not to do it and we encouraged him just <laughs> so that we can. i was like should i do this Grab they're the like popcorn and
2: absolutely watch. i've got the microwave ready to go popcorn bag <laughs> is just sitting there well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's uh, uh, the the thing with with Festool is there are people on both sides. I think you actually get less crap and more positivity if you criticize and say something negative about a Festool than the reverse.
0: <laughs> so that's what this was. It's the brand you love to hate.
2: It totally is. Yeah, I mean, the fan favorite way to do this is to bash Festool. If you can do that, you're going to get a lot of people going. Yeah, this is perfect. Um, and it wasn't even that Festool's much of a. Bash. Like the Patriots,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. only <laughs> Patriots fans are going to be upset at you, and everyone else is going to be happy with you. Yeah, well,
3: uh. here, the,
2: the perfect uh, correlation is Apple, and people use that that uh, sort of an analogy all the time. Uh, that the way the fanboyism that happens with Apple, the way Festool, uh iterates on products, makes products, and their price points—it's so similar uh, to the way Apple works which must explain why I'm doing this show on the Apple computer right now. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind. Uh, but that's it for me. So, uh, Matthew, what do you got What's going
4: on? on? Oh, I've been uh, working on shooting some sideboard videos for most of the week. Oh, and yeah. like today and yesterday have been up in the 60s, which has, been, which has been beautiful here. So I'm getting some time outside, getting some exercise, playing on the sawmill, you know, things I like to do. You know, some actual enjoyment instead of just sitting in the shop, filling myself, talking to myself all day. <laughs> then editing myself, watching myself talk about the same thing over again, watching the same scenes and same clips over and over and over again. It's a very repetitive and boring process. So getting outside and doing something different, so much better. And it's like, this is probably like the last nice weather we're going to have until spring. Yep.
2: Everything will be white. <laughs> it's, going, it's going to crap
4: after this. It'll be like up in the 40s probably tomorrow, I think, so...
2: Oh, okay, yeah. so I'm sorry about that noise. I'm sure you guys are hearing the incoming call. So my dad calls almost every day at the same time to to FaceTime with the kids, except for I keep telling him that the kids are at school at this time. <laughs> They're not home, but I keep declining it, and he keeps calling back. So uh, blame my dad for that noise in the have, background. have them call their phones.
4: Isn't that all the kids got their own cell phones? Yeah, of course. Days? My
2: six-year-old has an iPhone in his pocket.
4: I wouldn't not? I wouldn't believe it, you know. Yeah, kids
2: well, these he days. he are supposed to talk to you, Mark. No, he doesn't. I'm really not. <laughs> no. I'm really not that interesting. <laughs> it's all about the kids. I mean, once you have kids, you you're not existent uh, for for grandparents. It's all about the kids. No.
4: That is true. Yeah.
2: They, they they actually when they come over, they walk right by you and beeline for the children. Like it's like you're not even there. I love it. Okay.
4: I, my in-laws are here right now and I haven't seen them. <laughs> The kids have it, of course,
2: right?
4: I'm just going to say they're being respectful of my workplace. Yeah. But I know what it is. They're it's busy. Like they're all out there for the kids anyway.
2: Yeah. They got stuff to do.
0: <laughs> uh, but Shannon, what about you? I am building a chest of drawers. Ooh. And I I started getting. <laughs> <laughs> also thinking is chest of drawers, lots of drawers. I'm out. Yeah. I'm over drawers. Well, I. I started kind of going down my normal process, and you know, I put together like a SketchUp model to kind of figure out proportions. And mm-hmm. then I started doing the woodworker thing and started going, "Well, what if I add this decorative element? Ooh, That's what dangerous. if I add this type of foot here and do this?" <laughs> and so, it's, you know, in typical fashion, completely have like overdesigned this thing. Sure. but I've kind of got this idea of making, um, and this actually comes from Daryl Peart, um, kind of a, a taper from top to bottom in the chest, mm-hmm. but then there's also a curve mixed into it. And then then I started thinking, well, instead of the taper, why don't I actually make a curve? So it's still going to taper, but it's going to be this like concave side look, um, very George Jetson ish. And the more I started playing around with this, the more confused I was getting myself. So I'm actually building a scale model. I every time like every time I go to a woodworking in America or this last time I find woodworking live, there's always some session from some, you know, big name, highfalutin design type guy who's like, oh, I gotta build models, you know, and there's all these little foam core cardboard models and things. And I'm always like, Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And then I like never do it. So right. I'm actually doing it this time. And I gotta admit, it's it's kind of fun just because like it takes the joinery thing out of the equation basically joinery is hot glue or maybe tape
3: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) sometimes tape scotch tape works great um and i'm just using like thick uh cardboard type stuff i've got some foam core but i haven't um tapped into it yet and it's kind of fun and it's there it's the same it's that it's that disconnect that comes from like sketchup or any kind of cad type program where yeah you can design all kinds of stuff or in my case my sketchup skills aren't good enough to do some of the stuff I want to do like Mm -hmm. curves and things tend to break down when I try to do them in sketchup. But this is like, I don't know the same reason that maybe you draw out a design before you carve it. You kind of like get it into your soul just by actually putting pencil in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, Mary May talks about that all the time, how important it is to draw your designs and then carve them. And it helps you kind of figure things out and kind of where I'm getting on this. Um, Now, that being said, am I going to start building models for every project? Hell no. But I don't know. This is just kind of fun. Um, This is is a a piece that's going to be for my wife. And, you know, so I do kind of need to get it done relatively quick. But at the same time, she also knows that relatively quick... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is a very relative term, but yeah. um, but, it, but you know it's also I, I'm building something, and she knows very well that it's going to end up being repurposed, and the content's going to be recorded, and all that fun stuff. So um, right now, and we've talked about this before, but the camera is off, and I'm just playing. Like, I'm just playing with design ideas. I think probably I will turn the camera on later once I've got a couple of models, just because the building of the models. Right, I mean, it's cutting out cardboard and taping it together, gluing it together. But I think the design process could be kind of interesting to talk about. But mm-hmm. I don't know; it's just one of those things. Always heard about it, heard how effective it is. Never bothered to do it. Now that I'm doing it, I am having a lot of fun with it.
2: The concept of prototyping and doing these like scale models and stuff like that. It's 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 almost. Totally obvious why that's useful and why it's a smart thing to do and why everyone should do it, yet so many people don't. <laughs> None of us do. Right? And I, I'm guilty of that myself. I, I'll tell you a thousand times over, if you have the ability to do it and the time to do it, it I mean, in a lot of cases, it can save you time, especially if you're, you're kind of designing on the fly and you realize, uh-oh, this isn't going to work and now you got to scrap it. Um, but I wish I, wish I could like, make that a regular part of my woodworking vocabulary it's just something i do but i I never do it the the bunk bed uh is a good example like i'm i'm hoping it's going to work out i designed it in sketchup but who knows i may confront something as i'm doing it that goes wait a minute mike he's going to hit his head on this every
0: single time you know just (laughs) because i didn't look at it from the right perspective so good on you man that's great well i mean i think prototyping i mean i I look at that when you say prototyping i'm thinking full scale yeah full scale right Um, and and it's one of the reasons that i there's no way i'm going to do that i mean <laughs> yeah. it,
3: it
0: it's not a matter of getting the lumber but i mean especially when you work like i do with everything with hand tools no sorry no, i'm just not going to do that <laughs> yeah it, it would take you um, a lot longer jeez but i do think that there's a time and a place for that like if you've got a a really intricate project that you need to make sure functionally some of the things work like bunk beds makes a perfect example right you know you don't want to be bumping your head when you're reaching under to grab something. And you know, yeah. if you're going to put the slide on there, do you have the optimum angle of the slide or is the poor kid going to stall out halfway down the slide? You know, <laughs> which is too,
2: very important is it, or it's just yeah, like a straight you know? down jump right into the floor like 80 right. degree angle. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Actually, this and what, what maybe, maybe makes me think that I might do this again is just because of the fact that it really is nothing about joinery. It's all about how does it look and just physically, like, this curve that I'm trying to create, I'm I'm just taking this cardboard and essentially bending it mm-hmm. and kind of keeping it under tension, squeezing it together to keep the bend in there and trying to figure out, you know, what, what kind of angles would I be looking at and sliding dovetail work in here. So there's a little bit of thought there. But for the most part, it's just playing with, like, cardboard yeah. <laughs> and making cool little models. And, and there's no, you know, outlay of material. There's no... There's no tools even running other than an exacto knife. So it's really very quick to put stuff together. And then you can kind of step back and walk around it and just see what is the impression that this gives. So it, it's really kind of fun. But I think if I s- literally scaled it up and actually went to building something out of wood where I had to use something more than like an X-Acto knife to mm-hmm. cut stuff, I probably wouldn't go for it. Yeah. I just can't see myself spending that time.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that sounds fun. Uh, all right. Let's get to what's new. And I put this in here because I know Matt wouldn't. And no, the funny thing is, all three of us have like uh paid venture things, you know, that, that we could publicize, but I, I don't know, is it a deliberate thing that we don't really talk about like things that happen that cost money outside of Wood Talk? Uh,
1: self promotion? <laughs> yeah, self promotion
2: advertising of? things that we charge for. We probably we should honestly don't do it. I just don't think of it. Um I mean maybe no. it's for the better, I don't know.
0: So anyway, it goes, point is goes back to years of forum etiquette in the early days of the internet of no self promotion.
2: Yeah, but meanwhile we've got a Brusso ad in almost every episode. Like it's not it's not like we're advertising. You know, we're against advertising on the show. It's just the self promotion. So what you're stuff.
0: saying is, in order to talk about the Hand Tool School, I need to give Wood Talk money. That's probably
2: not a bad idea. Honestly, I think <laughs> you gotta
0: buy a spot. Yeah. <laughs> It's like festival or not so festival. Go ahead and, and talk about Matt's bandsaw plans and send him an invoice.
2: Right. Well, yeah. it, it's like the, uh, the thing on Facebook. I just posted on my Facebook page today. Uh, they said that I could start to participate in ad revenue for uploading videos there but I don't reach their view count. And the reason I don't reach <laughs> I their view that. count is because they're, re- they're restricting how distributed my videos can be. Uh, so I think it's only got to get to like 30,000 views. I've got 250,000 likes on my page. But because of the way Facebook works, I have to pay for those people to see it. So I get to pay hundreds of dollars to Facebook so that I can make pennies on ad revenue. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that makes no sense at all. And I don't think it's a solid win though you know doesn't it though For you, it really yeah, does No, I yeah. should go down that path <laughs> anyway completely off the topic here but Matt I was really excited to see uh, on his feeds that he finally finished his bandsaw mill plans and those are available on his website at macromona.com and go oh. check it out so you want to say anything about them that people might need to know about it
0: his bandsaw uh, mill novel
2: Yeah,
4: it's at giantbandsawmill.com you can also find it there since we we got that domain, yeah, thank you. Wood whenever Talk. that was, thank you, WoodTalk, for that.
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> that was pretty pretty exciting. Because I when I released the initial version of them, that were like kind of almost done, but not quite perfect. I didn't think because um, I hadn't fully prototyped everything. And over the summer, I finished building everything, finished prototyping everything, made a couple corrections to the plans, then finalized them. And when I released them the very first time, I offered like a swag package, which included some merch and the printed version of the plans. And that was like the only time I was ever going to do a printed version. And I finally got those printed and done and shipped. So nice. I'm pretty excited about that. It was really cool. Like I've seen that thing so many times, the actual set of plans, like on the screen of the computer and I printed them out a couple of times. to so actually go through them, but seeing them like actually bound and like in a booklet like that, it was a totally different. It's a real experience. Yeah. like, Oh, it's all at work. And there it is physically right there.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Just weird.
2: That's cool, man. That's a big undertaking, too. I mean, not not, not just making the plans, but the project stupid itself.
4: Uh, I spend more time on the plans than the project,
2: usually. <laughs> That's how you know the quality is there. Oh, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, definitely go check that out. Um, congratulations on uh, hitting the finish line on that, finally. Thank you, Mark.
0: You are welcome. It looks pretty, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: it's nice. It's painted now. It's not rustling away. Yay.
0: All right, Shannon, you're up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, this is where, – where are we? Oh, yeah. This is um, just a, a YouTube video that popped up that I found kind of interesting. It's from Lee Valley, and it's actually Robin Lee, um, and the video is t- entitled Own Your IP your intellectual property, in case you don't know. And I just found it kind of interesting after the Don't Class in Me Bro episode when the whole (laughs) river table thing, we started talking about trademarking and IP. And I'm wondering, maybe that was what provoked this video Mm -hmm. from Lee Valley? Probably not, but it was just good timing. And there's some interesting stuff in there where Robin talks about how we trademark certain things to reset them. Um, in order to expand knowledge. so like they'll trademark something that they don't have a product for, but just so they don't step on other people's toes. So they'll put a submit a trademark application and that can bring a lot of other people that may be looking at a trade application and, and potentially allow Lee Valley to say, oh okay, let's back off or let's collaborate. Um, it's kind of interesting. I never thought of that kind of legal side of things as a way to kind of further R&D, but um, it's just kind of interesting video, and I just found it timely with the river table thing. Sure.
2: Um, <laughs> you, are, you are getting very, very Skypey. Uh, last two recordings, actually, You uh, I don't know if it's your connection or what, but you... I th- I caught most of what you said <laughs> but it was it was a little dicey in some parts whenever that happens I'm like is it my receiving end yeah or- I try I, I tr- I'm trying to listen and decide if people are going to be able to make this out or it, like did I get the gist of what he said <laughs> I think they did so I think we're okay <laughs> uh, but just a heads All up right. Shannon I don't know if you need a reboot or anything like that <laughs>
0: Um, no, I think I just need to turn off my Wi-Fi so the Thunderbolt connection stops trying to grab the Wi-Fi. There
2: you go. Try that.
0: Um, I think Matt, you get the next one.
2: Oh, look at this!
4: Yay! This is uh, we got sent in from Bill. It says there's a new portable dust collector from Grizzly. So we got some more of these, uh, you know, the little portable cyclone dealies, the uh, compact cyclones. I've got that Laguna one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what JDS makes those as well? Uh, who else is? making them I don't know but Grizzly has some now too so you can get the uh, horse and a half through three I think
0: mm-hmm.
2: So I actually looked at that link before we recorded oh good job <laughs> um, I think Powermatic has one now that's oh, yeah. pretty yep. comparable yep. so is this like a new uh, popular format is it just like it's kind of the between the roll around you know two horsepower unit from Harbor Freight and moving all the way up to like a full big full size uh, wall mounted cyclone it's kind of a, a midway compromise type thing?
4: Yeah. I think for people that don't have a whole lot of space or they want to be able to move it around, something like that, it's. Uh, I think it fills that, that void pretty nicely. If I've you, got one. Does this I mean, is kind of
2: replace, you know how there's like the really cheap roll around one, the one we all start with um, and then you could upgrade like Jet, Powermatic, uh, even Grizzly, they all have those where the motor is kind of like on the ground uh, the, mm-hmm. the fan is on the ground and then you just kind of attach your flex hose to that is this format you think kind of replacing that that midway thing or is it is it creating a, a new a new spot in the uh in the lineup
4: I think so because it's not that much more than like a really good roll around single stage yeah especially when you get start getting nice filters on those things anyway they're probably what are they now like 600 bucks with a filter yeah something like that and these multiple Cyclones are probably going to come in around a grand mm-hmm Ish. Yeah. Yeah. two hundred two two horsepower for seven, 975. So, yeah, I mean, the
2: cyclone I mean, aspect of it just looks great. The ease of being able to pop that lid right off and, and take yeah. your, your garbage can or roll it out. It's on roll wheels. the drum
4: out. If you're not into bags like me, you just yeah. dump the drum out back and continue on with your life.
2: There you go. That's cool. Nice. That's, That's pretty good. cool. Check like it out. That. Uh, and I will also mention, because I do like to be self serving, as I mentioned before, uh, Woo! Guild sales. Yeah, we're doing the 12 weeks until Christmas or the 12 weeks. uh, We did this last year where we said 12 weeks of Christmas and then everybody got mad at us like they get mad at Costco and Sam's Club and (laughs) Home Depot for putting trees out before Halloween. Um, That's not what we mean. We mean the 12 weeks leading to Christmas. Each week we're going to put a different uh, guild project on sale 30% off, and it'll be on sale just for the weekend. So uh, by the time you hear this, this weekend's will be over, Uh, but I think on our calendar, thewoodwhisperer.com slash calendar, we actually have a schedule, and you can find out when, something you're waiting for maybe, you can find out when that's going to be on sale, and have a heads up for that. So go check it out. All right, kickback time. Uh, Aaron wrote in and he says, where do I get my Wood Talk swag? I need a shirt to wear to the home center that tells people how awesome I am. <laughs> yeah, I understand that need. Uh, just go to twwstore.com. Uh, even though that's the, the Wood Whisperer store, that is where you can pretty much get anything related to um, Wood Whisper Guild or Wood Talk. And I believe we still have shirts in stock there. So uh, that's where you yeah. go.
0: Wood Talk lunchboxes. Wood Talk flame
2: Flamethrower. Yeah, that's the <laughs> best. Uh, merchandising, that's what he says Okay, so we got some voicemail Where is it? One from uh, Pete Regarding old glue
3: Hey guys, it's Pete the Halfwit From Maple Valley, Washington <laughs> Hey, I've got a question about old glue Actually, a question about a lot Of old glue Years ago, Woodcraft had some Promotion where you bought something And you would get a giant Vat of Titebond uh, Long open time Glue And, well, after several trips to Woodcraft, I am now the proud owner of about a gallon and a half of 10-plus-year-old glue. How do I get rid of this stuff? Um, Aside from just dry it out, can I pour it down the drain? Can I, you know, neutralize it somehow and then pour it down the drain? Or do I just have to pour this out on a tarp and let it dry? Thanks, guys. And, um, again... Thanks for not
2: quilting. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great little combo. I, I like that. Comment there. That's pretty sweet. Uh, so a whole bunch of leftover glue. Um, I guess, did he, did you catch anything about the quality of this glue or why he doesn't want to use it?
4: I think it's just says 10 years old and, and it's just to it's
2: bad. Poop out on him? Yeah, I guess. Maybe, it was-
4: or it assumes that after 10 years it's probably not worth trying to
2: use. Yeah. I mean, ultimately if probably it's still, a safe if it, well, <laughs> if it's still pourable and it isn't getting stringy and you don't see like solid chunks of stuff in there, it still should be, I mean, it should be usable, but you're right. Probably after 10 years, it's kind of unlikely that it is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I rinse off some things that have glue in the sink like my um, glue roller. Sometimes I'll just run out of the shop into the laundry room and I'll rinse it off in the little slop sink that's in our, our laundry room um, but it's a very small amount of glue. I don't know that I would want to see all that liquid glue being you know, diluted and go down into the drain. I don't know that it would cause any harm but my gut says lay it out, put it outside in a little container, let it solidify and just throw it in the trash as a solid. What do you guys think any differently about
0: that? I'm going to say don't do that. No. Okay. <clears throat> just because, I mean, at least according to my Instagram feed, we're all supposed to start like building log arches and building sawmills and things now. And yeah. we're all supposed <laughs> to go out and get Alaskan mills and chainsaws and just be all Mac Cremonas. I mean, at least, I don't know. Instagram is, is reality. But Old Blue <laughs> could make great um, sealer for the ends of logs or the ends of freshly sawn boards. Sure. It's, it's like anchor seal. You know, mm-hmm. and if you want, you could mix a little water in and then dilute it so the viscosity paints on a bit a little bit easier. But who cares about the holding power, right? I mean, unless it's actually dried stiff, in which case we shouldn't be having this conversation because you just throw it out now. But if if you know if there's still some viscosity there, keep it and then like pour some into a separate little bucket or something like that, add some water, and now you've got a sealer for the ends of logs, ends of boards, you know, seal up the end of your deck boards, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um And yeah, you now have a use for it. If you're into turning and you need to seal turning blanks or things like that and cut out turning blanks and then just basically create a dip tank and dump the turning (laughs) blank in and now you've got, you know, a nicely um, sealed up blank that you can use, you know, whenever you want to.
2: Hey, we also heard from our our favorite African listener who uses it as a finish. Dilute it and start finishing your projects with it. (laughs) There you go another not don't waste
4: anything mentality i like still good for something mentality (laughs) you can still use it that's
0: called the hoarder mentality
4: i know you want to get rid of it but you should use it for something else
2: yeah that is the woodworker mentality i think (laughs) okay we got a second voicemail from joshua he's got some thoughts on content producers in in the future
1: hey guys this is josh from michigan um
3: cool fact
1: I wanted to give you a little bit of kickback from episode entitled Mark Says No. You talked about the sustainability of having a career, I guess, on YouTube. Um, You know, what it's going to look like in 5, 10, 15 years. No one one knows. But I really feel like the people who are doing it well now, um, where they have multiple streams of revenue, um, if something suddenly happens, I feel like they're going to find a way to make an income. Um, you guys especially and um, some of the other people we know uh, they're going to find ways to make an in- make a living and make income whether that's doing custom work or um, something else there, there might, something else might come along so I, I'm not really fearful of that and I don't think these people are either um, So, but my perspective is I'm, not, I'm nowhere near that and I don't really have a desire to, to do um, that kind of stuff full time Gosh, dad, come
2: on. I'm sorry. It, the, the call came in and, and paused the, the voicemail.
1: Sorry about that. Um, mainly because of the skill and the time involved. But um, I still video a project from time to time, and that's mainly for my own personal benefit. You know, I have that record on hand of the projects that I've built, um, and it's really cool to be able to go back and look at those. So um, I would encourage anybody that doesn't do that currently if nothing else turn your phone on and and just kind of record some footage of the projects that you're building for nothing else for your own personal benefit um it's really cool to have that and um to be able to look back on and show your family friends whatever whoever you want to impress um but that's my take on it i hope you guys uh don't quit again i really appreciate the show i enjoy (laughs) listening to it thanks guys well, thank you, Joshua. And you know, that's funny. I was thinking about this. Way back
2: when, 2007-ish, maybe 2008, there was a period of time where I'm, I remember telling people this all the time when they would uh, email me or we'd talk about the concept of blogging, right? That was the big deal. Everybody had a blog uh, and why they should start one. And I, I used to, seriously, Dad, come on. I'm going to have to text them and be like, could you just chill for a minute? My goodness. I'm um, I'm sorry. So this is like this is the raw family show here. Um, but uh, the I,
0: title of this show is "Mark's Dad Calls In." Yeah, multiple
2: times, over yeah, and over. There we go.
0: Yeah, hey Dad, Guest welcome to the, the show. show. What do you,
2: what, What's going on? Uh, so, anyways, we used to say this all the time. Like at the very least, doing a blog is a great way to document what you are working on, and you know, sort of have this thing that you could look back on in the future. Uh, so. You know, I think that's a little bit easier, or I should say the video concept is way easier now. Everybody's got a HD video, you know, camera sitting in their pocket. Uh, so it's kind of the same concept. I I see what he's saying. It's a really cool thing. I just wonder at some point, one thing that I found with some of these people who got into it under this premise of, hey, I may as well just document this, they they start to see a little bit of success. And they, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like he's like a telemarketer. Hold on a second. I've got to put an end to this. I'm going to have to edit the show now. Thanks, Dad.
0: I don't think so. No? You don't think so?
2: Okay. But here's the other problem, okay? Like parents and technology. I'm trying to text him and I keep getting not delivered. Not deli- I don't know what's going on in his end that I can't actually deliver a text. <laughs> Let me see if I can. You turned off the texting feature. Yeah, I guess you must do that sometimes. I hate texting so much. <laughs> no one okay. will ever text me. But, anyways, so yeah, I think that's, I, I do believe that it is a good thing overall. But there is also a point where you start to get into this and, and you start to look at other, you know, influencers, people on Instagram, and you go, oh, maybe I want a piece of that. Like, can I get some free tools if I just do this? And then some, somehow at some point, the game changes and it's no, no longer for that personal record keeping, it becomes something way different where now you're worried about your numbers. You're worried about uh, you know, who's who's reading your post? Did your last post perform better than the one before that? You know, so there's there's definitely an inherent risk, like a natural risk that comes with that. Um, but I don't know, just kind of thinking out loud.
4: Yeah, man, it's no. totally it's totally different. When you put it up there and you want to stop when you want to make that transition from I just do it for myself and if other people enjoy it, that's great too. Let me see how many people I can get to actually consume and enjoy my stuff. Then it becomes a game.
2: Right.
4: So then it becomes actual work. It's a little bit different. I mean, not that it's bad, but it's just different.
2: There is a uh, really nice lady that I follow on uh, Instagram, Rustic Duck Furniture. You follow her? Yeah. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Uh, Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, super nice lady and she just expl- like put up this post about her quitting social media because of the re- like reasons like this where she the reason she started this stuff she's gotten so far away from that and being so concerned about what people think about her posts how well her posts are doing and feels that she kind of like is completely losing sight of it and it's dominating her, her regular like IRL stuff uh, where, <laughs> yeah. you know, she should be focused on family, but instead she's like worrying about her Instagram feed. Um, and I really admire that. That's a tough move to make. Like once you're in it and then you realize there's a problem to have the, the guts to back out and walk away is, is pretty impressive. So anyway, it, don't follow her on Instagram because she's not going to be there anymore. <laughs> Normally I would say go follow this person. But if she follows through, she won't be posting anything. Hey, leave her alone. <laughs> yeah, just let her be,
0: would you? I mean uh, I can't help but be a little bit sad, maybe nostalgic <clears throat> because I think back – I mean that's how I started. Like if you were, if you were stupid enough <laughs> to go to my blog and go all the way back to the very first page back in 2007 or eight. There's a post there that just basically says what we just said. Like I had been woodworking for probably five years at that point, and I realized I had made a bunch of stuff that I had no photographic evidence of whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'd been given as gifts or whatever. And, you know, maybe I had a at that point a bad photo um, that wasn't digital for that matter. Um, and if it was digital, it was like a 2.7 megapixel photo. So I I started it for that reason to kind of document this stuff. And then There was this community aspect that spun up and all these people were blogging and sharing just for the sake of sharing, like learning from one another. And I don't know when that switch was flipped. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I wonder if like we've seen this move over to Instagram because it is so easy to just continue to share and to participate in a community. But now that's started to become awful, not just there to participate. Um, So I, I don't know. Maybe the future is eventually I would hope that people will still want to continue to share. It's just got to find new ways to make it easier. But you think yeah. about all the great blogs we used to read. Mm-hmm. Carrie Holtman comes to mind. Vic um, Hubbard comes to mind. Uh, shoot, Adam Carabini. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There was some great content out there that I learned so much from. That's just gone. I mean, yeah. these people just, they saw what it was becoming and said, look, I have no interest in making money doing this and I have no interest in to, to quote Matt, play that game and they just got out and it seems, you know, a shame because there's some great, um, knowledge locked up in those people's brains that is just not being shared anymore. And I can't say that I blame them, um, because it, it is a game and it's a lot of work to keep up with it.
2: Well, and I think the thing is, you know, even folks like me, I enjoyed the blogging process. I actually did enjoy taking photos of something and putting a nice little article together. But do you know when the last time was I actually wrote an article? Just just an article, right? Like nothing else but pictures and words. I haven't done Whoa. it because from a business perspective, it's kind of a waste of time. Um yeah. th- th- I can do that, but a comparable video showing, you know, maybe a comparable amount of information, probably less, uh, but putting it into video format is the way that makes my business run. It just works better that way. Um, so even though I like that format, I am deliberately not doing it because of performance reasons, let's say.
0: So, yeah, it it is really funny you say that because I just got a notification on my phone from Instagram from someone saying, how come Wood Talk's not on YouTube anymore? (laughs) Well, we don't (laughs) exist because we're not on YouTube, right? (laughs) Show's over. Show's over. Here you are, Mark, doing something that's not video and it's doing nothing for you, apparently. Yeah, that's true.
2: (laughs) Uh, Oh, boy. You know, and I did like what Josh uh, had to say about people who are doing what we do as a career being able to just kind of land on their feet, figuring it out. And, and I, I, yeah. I I, kind of feel I that way. Like once you detach from the system, and I feel like like once you, you leave that nine matrix. to five job, <laughs> yeah, you detach from the matrix, um, you realize that there's, there's so many opportunities for creative thinking and other ways to, to earn revenue um, that I honestly feel the same way, that if somehow, for whatever reason, the Wood Whisperer just went away today, like I couldn't do anything on the Wood Whisperer site, I'd probably come up with something else, you know, and I'd, I'd figure something else out. I probably would not go back
0: to working for someone else.
2: At least I liked so I probably liked probably some
0: brand that. equity in the knitting circles. With all the knitting we talk about <laughs> all RV, the knitting. Well, just, just, Nicole's just getting into, um, right into knitting and quilting.
2: Nicole's getting in the quilting now so she could just let her take over. Oh boy. There I'll just go. be the cute eye candy standing in the back. Uh-huh. No, no? Did I miss you? lose you guys on that <laughs> one or what? Okay. <laughs> so if you want to send us a voicemail, kickback, question, whatever, uh, just use your uh, little device there. Go into your voice memo and send it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. We'd love to get your voicemails and play them on the show. And now this
0: lumber industry
2: updates Can't wait What's going on in a lumber industry?
0: Yay lumber Um I have spoken about general mahogany many times on the show over the years and how, you know, regulations have made it less and less available, how the quality of the mahogany has continued to drop. Um, well, I'm excited to say that that is turning a corner. And it's interesting to see how as, as much as the lumber industry and as much as people who buy lumber tend to kind of go, oh, it's CITES listed, can't buy it anymore. Or what I hear more often is, um, just in case anybody doesn't know what it is, CITES is the Convention on International Trade and Export of Species. It's if something becomes CITES listed, it essentially becomes very difficult to get. Or, put another way, it becomes very expensive. Suddenly, the board foot price went up $10. Um, but I hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, I can't buy that because the CITES listed, not because availability, but because they don't want to do something bad for the environment. fact of the matter is, the fact that it is CITES means that it's a very good thing for the environment because an appendix to CITES listed species is not endangered. It is in danger of becoming endangered if things don't change. So what CITES is saying is we are now changing things to prevent this from becoming endangered. Hmm. And genuine mahogany is a perfect example of that. It was CITES listed um, 11 years, maybe 12 years ago, maybe less than that. Don't quote me on that. It was a while ago. And (coughs) We have dramatically seen, uh, excuse me, have seen a dramatic change in the quality of the genuine mahogany coming out of the traditional places from Central America, South America, um, Caribbean islands, things like that. And the volume is still very, very low. That's what CITES is doing. It's restricting the total global export volume. It's also throwing a lot more regulations on what can be felled, when it can be felled, what concessions can be used, et cetera. But each one of those concessions has an allotment of trees that they are allowed to fell. And what's even more interesting, as other industries slow down, in this particular case, the guitar makers are not doing real well right now. Or a lot of them are have changed to other species and they're not using mahogany for neck blanks and things like that. Mm-hmm. But these concessions that are heavily regulated are still allowed to fell these trees. So now there's some really good quality stuff that normally was bought by the Luthiers. And if if you don't know, guitar makers buy like the primo of primoist stuff. They want, you know, only the finest. Almost like the veneer makers. They have the the nicest logs ever. But now there's this great quality stock that is still available because the market that's normally demanded it has slowed down dramatically or has pivoted and gone into another species direction. So we're seeing a lot more genuine mahogany coming on the market and it's not just more quality or or more quantity. It's incredible stuff. And I've been posting on Instagram a little bit this week, um, and it's a little hard to to see because the loads have just started to come in and we haven't like stacked them out. And so you're just seeing big stacks of lumber. You're not really seeing the faces of the boards. But well, we ran a bunch through the stacker the other day and I have not seen mahogany this beautiful. I've been at McAlvey now for 10 years and I've been working with mahogany for 15, 16 years or so. This is gorgeous stuff. Never seen it this way. And the only reason for that is the guitar industry is not buying as much anymore, but it's still being produced. And because CITES has really clamped down on how much can be exported and given the um, much greater oversight into how the forests are managed, it's actually affecting change. So it's weird to hear a lumber guy talk fondly about CITES because normally it's just a thorn in our side. Mm -hmm. But damn it if it doesn't work. (laughs) It's actually really made a big difference in the general mahogany market. So if you're talking about, oh, I can't buy bolo anymore, I don't want to hurt the environment because it's CITES listed, don't think of it that way. It sucks. Yeah, it makes the price a lot more because it's, it's dramatically reduced the supply. It's dramatically increased how difficult that it is to get it in the country. But once you have a block of a CITES listed species sitting in front of you, recognize that that. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's a very good thing that's helping to rejuvenate this particular species. And there's some outstanding silvicultural practices that went into making sure that that block of wood you're holding in your hands was legally and sustainably harvested. So it's just something to think about. I see far too many people saying they're not going to use this material because it's bad for the environment. Well, first of all, it's already been felled. You can't put it back into a tree, folks. (laughs) But second of all... There, that like somebody asked me on Instagram, oh, Oh. is that stuff legal? And my question was, oh my God, absolutely yes. Would you like to see the stack of paperwork? Like, I can show you back to a stump (laughs) where this came from and like who talked to the tree, who petted the tree between here and there. I mean, it's ridiculous (laughs) the level of oversight and chain of custody that we have on this stuff, which makes me feel all warm and fuzzy (laughs) about this tree. I, I can firmly say that, yes, this was sustainably harvested. Yes, I'm not hurting the environment doing this. And it's it's kind of cool. The technology has started to catch up and the regulations have started to catch up. No, I'm not going to blindly say that there's no illegal logging happening. But you know what? It's a lot less than it used to be. And it's kind of exciting. So nice. yay, positive lumber update. Good. That's great. Hey, so does this apply
2: to like animal species as well? Like if I want to punch a panda in the face – and normally I would say I shouldn't do that it's an endangered species maybe shouldn't I should do it, bite your hand off right but then I, I could punch him in the face and be like see it's good for the environment does that sure. make
0: any sense okay. you should do that yeah but only if you post it on YouTube yeah that'll be good and while you're at it invite that Logan Paul kid to come with you yeah he's
2: my buddy uh, alright so uh, let's get to our emails here uh, oh That that tickled (laughs) Matt. He was tickled over it. Uh, Okay, so David wrote in and he said, how do you decide the best way to lay out your shop? Uh, My shop's half of a two-car garage. I have an MFT table, saw stop contractor saw, benchtop planer, um, benchtop drill press, spindle sander, also lots of handheld power tools. Any ideas would be great. All right, so I, I don't have a definitive answer for you, David. What I'll let you know is that most of the time, a shop setup is an evolving thing. And I, I, most of the time, you know, I'll take a table saw, kind of consider that, at least for the type of woodworking I do, that is still kind of the center of my universe. Uh, the workbench is another universe center in a way. Uh, put those in, in optimal places. And everything else just kind of gets fit in like Tetris, you know, like pieces of a puzzle. Uh, if you've got a space, there's a creative solution for getting a tool or you know accessories or something hung on the wall in that space. So I usually anchor by the most important and most frequently used tools and then work around that. Uh, So but but even within those you know within the confines of that as like a starting point you are still going to move things around and maybe a year from now you'll go in there and, and, and think why did I have my drill press here This whole time I totally should have it over there and you come up with this idea so slowly but surely your efficiency goes up you start to realize where the problem areas are Um, but it is really something that I feel comes with time if I were just given a blank slate well I was when I was in Arizona I had an 1800 foot blank slate and I had the hardest time deciding what to put where because because I could put it anywhere. But being in a more restricted environment like my garage now, the flow of my garage now, even though it's like less than half the size of my previous shop, is actually better. It's more comfortable. Things are where they should be. They're closer uh, and I don't have to go as far to get them. So I don't have as much storage space, but man, the efficiency in this space is way better. So anyway, just kind of a word of encouragement that don't put too much pressure on yourself right now that over time you'll find those answers and you'll
0: find those clever solutions. And I hope that back helps. in the day when people blogged, Diami had a site called the penultimate com. Because right. you're never done, because he's always you're on always... The,
2: the one before the last one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> one more iteration. Yeah.
2: Was it penultimate? He still has that though. Isn't it a penultimate workbench?
0: Maybe he does. Or no. workshop. I never read it. It's a workshop. <laughs> I, never
2: read, I had never read that piece of <laughs> crap. I've
4: great blog that I never read.
2: Uh, oh, It is Penultimate Workshop. Woodshop. Penultimate Woodshop. Woodshop. Uh, I, don't know. I have a
0: t-shirt somewhere. Uh, I'll have to look at that. Deami's the All man. The right. try. Deami, that t-shirt's too big for me now. Send me a new one. Yeah, he'll get right on it. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. <laughs> All right, Matt, you're up.
4: All right, I got two questions this week because they're kind of both related and kind of quick. First one's from Roger. It says, Matt, do down trees to sit for a period before you slab them. Can be slabbed right away. So I had a whole video about this. Uh, we will put that into the notes. But basically, no, you can cut them right away. And in most cases, probably going to be the best way to go. Because if you ask a turner if it's easier to turn wood that is green or wood that is dry, same kind of concept applies to sawing. Much easier to saw a wet log than it is to saw a dry log. Uh, next one's from Casey following in the footsteps of Spalt Crotch King uh, that's me I guess mm-hmm. I've become my own here and started hoarding as many logs as I can get a hold of other than the trunk of the tree what else can be salvaged I understand it's all wood and can be used but where's the line between practical and I'm collecting twigs to make dowels <laughs> secondly in wood prone to twisting do, uh, during the drying process is to help to let the entire log dry for a while I don't want to wait ten years to use it. Are there any tips to help prevent this? So for the first one, like how like at what point do logs start being worth song? And really it just be, it comes down to how much is your time worth and how much you want to mess with it. I've cut little logs before, like I don't know, four to six inches in diameter on my bandsaw in the shop before I had my own sawmill. And I use that for like box making and stuff. It's great stock. It's just tiny (laughs) so there's not a whole lot you can really use it for but for box making things you can certainly use it for that i did find that it did cup a little bit more than you would expect on something a little bigger but you know it's wood and you probably didn't pay anything for it if it's that small so it could be used for something um for me like i don't really like less than 12 like 10 inches in diameter at that point it starts getting too small for me to really care about Um, if I'm going out to pick up this stuff, I'm probably not going to grab stuff that small because then I have more stuff to move and there's just more stuff laying around, like how much little tiny logs and sticks do you need in your yard, I guess. But again, if it comes down to if you really want to cut it and you're bored and you can just enjoy the process, there's nothing wrong with cutting stuff that small. Hmm. Um, yeah, just have fun and enjoy it. Um, as far as wood that's prone to twisting, I've heard, I have heard from a lot of people that letting them sit for about a year or so to draw it a little bit seems to help a little bit with that, depending on the species. Um, I don't really know how true that is. Like I did some elm, which is supposed to be really twisty, but I didn't have a whole lot of problems with it. Um, the biggest thing I can, uh, recommend for stuff that's prone to twisting and actually for like drying anything is just to put a lot of weight on it, if you can get the stuff held flat with a lot of weight, and it can't actually move and you know twist on its own because it can't fight the amount of weight above it, that's going to help keep it flat, and then it'll kind of lock itself in position as being flat. It's so like passive
0: steam bending.
4: Exactly. It's, that's exactly <laughs> the comparison I make to it. Like, that's why I really emphasize the importance of having a flat foundation for your, for your lumber when you stack it, because if that foundation has any kind of distortion in it, if you saw that board flat... And you put it on a twisted foundation, it's going to dry with a twist in it because it will conform to whatever it's laying on, whatever it's being held down to. Mm-hmm. So more weight, the better. Um, like, like more weight, the better. Like As much as you can get up there, thousands of pounds mm-hmm. would be cool
0: as we can do it. That's about it. Okie
2: doke. Okay. dokie.
0: This is from Eli. <clears throat> he says, I was wanting to know the difference, um, how different bench planes perform. I understand a joiner will skip over low spots and only shave high spots, whereas a smoother will ride into the valleys. But once you are to the point of taking a full length shaving, what will a smoother, smoother plane do that a joiner can't? So, <clears throat> hmm, um, <laughs> this is we're we're missing a little bit of a point here Um There is the the ability of a shorter plane like a smoother to kind of go through those hills and valleys means that you can get to that full length shaving much faster. Um, So technically, like if you're looking at a premium plane like a Lee Nielsen or Lee Valley or even more expensive than that. These planes are so hyper tuned. The soles are super flat. You generally can open and close the mouth to get a really tight mouth for like a smoother plane type shaving. Technically, they're gonna do the same thing. There's gonna be more mass in a joiner plane. You may find that it's easier to get, you know, over a bigger surface. It might be a better tool for you. But the fact that the joiner sole is so much longer means that you're going to have, have to have a much, 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 much flatter surface to get that. Thin, wispy, smoothing plane style shaving. So you're going to have to take a lot more passes to get there. The smoothing plane will navigate those hills and valleys. So you're going to get that wispy, thin shaving a heck of a lot faster. And the tolerance that you're talking about, you know, if for your typical piece of furniture, you know, if you set up your 22, 24 inch long joiner plane to take a thousandths of an inch shaving, you're asking for that kind of, you know, that that surface is now flat to within a thousandths of an inch over that 24 inch length. That's like NASA flat. Like That's like Matt's log pile flat. It just it doesn't need to be that flat. So yeah, once you get to the full length shaving, they are really the same thing and you're gonna find some mass differences and certainly the tighter the mouth can be, the better you can control tear out and all that fun stuff. But really, it's it's you're skipping over that part by just saying they are the same thing. Sure, I will agree with that to some extent, but you just worked so much harder to get a smoothing plane shaving with that joiner plane over that surface. So it becomes a matter of working more efficiently. What is, how flat do you really need? What am I trying to do here? Am I trying to flatten a surface? Then a longer plane makes sense. If I'm trying to just make the surface pretty, flat doesn't matter. Get to that wispy shaving as soon as possible with a shorter sole plane.
2: Hmm. All then. That sounds good. Okay then. Okay, well, I think that does it for us today. Uh, if you want to leave us a review in any pod directory you could find out there. iTunes is one of them and uh, you can go there and click on ratings and reviews and leave us a rating. I don't actually have one to read because there aren't any new ones but um, you can actually help support the show by going to Patreon. Patreon.com woodtalk and then also the TWW store. That's where those sweet t-shirts are that we answered that question about earlier. TWWstore.com and Shannon, if you're not doing anything else, if it's convenient for you in your current schedule, would you like to give them the contact information?
0: Uh, yeah, hold on. I'm on the phone with your dad. <laughs> yeah.
2: okay. All right. Mark's not picking up. I'm calling
0: you. All right, well, we'll, we'll here. If you have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions, dad, then just there's a couple ways you can do it. While we're in the middle of the show, the best thing for you to do is to use the voice memo <laughs> app on your phone. Mm-hmm. Hit record on that. Record something and then email it to WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com. That's WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com. We'll get to it eventually. We'll play it on the show and then you can be on the show then. Otherwise, you can go to WoodTalkShow.com slash contact and you can actually use the keyboard and type that out if you're more comfortable with that. So anyway, it's great talking to you, Dad. And, um, you know, we'll see you on the next show. Wait in line like everybody else, Dad. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time.